Hello and welcome to another episode in the Diane Gender Solicitors Divorce and Family Law Podcast. My name's Neil Denny. And I'm Faye Bentley. Hi Faye, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you, Neil? Yes, good, thank you, good. Uh, exciting week for the podcast this week because we're now on iTunes and Deezer and Spotify and all of those places. That's great. It is. So uh, if you're listening to this and you uh, want to make sure that you don't miss out on an episode, then go to uh, any of those places. And if you just search for Divorce and Separation Podcast, then you'll find us. Uh, you can also go to stitcher.com if you're online, that's stitcher.com. You can search for us there and you can find us and subscribe to us there as well. Don't forget you can always go to diangenders.co.uk for our website uh, and you can contact us there. My email address is neil, N-E-I-L, at diangenders.co.uk and Faye? F-A-Y-E at diangenders.co.uk. Very good. Um, so this week we thought we'd try something a little different, didn't we? <laughs> yes, lawyers aren't necessarily known for being off the wall, but let's try and be a bit different, shall we? Yeah, and uh, so, so because there's the big news this week, of course, is uh, Brexit and the referendum. And there's a lot of talk in the papers, isn't there, about how, how this is like a, a nasty divorce. Yeah, I think, well, the papers are full of uh, Brexit information, aren't they? But yeah, absolutely, of course it's going to be viewed as a divorce because we're leaving something that we've been part of for, for many years now. Yeah, so so we thought that we'd have uh, we thought we'd have a bit of fun with that in uh, looking at uh, just in, in what ways is Brexit like a divorce. So uh, in true podcasting spirit, we've come up with 10 reasons why Brexit is, in fact, just like a divorce. Um, and and so, so we'll rattle through these uh, over the next uh, 25, 30 minutes as... Uh, I said we're trying to be apolitical here so we're not trying to make any political points uh, and we're certainly not wanting to cause offence to anyone so um, uh, if if uh, if you find yourself taking offence please rest assured that none was intended uh, so Faye what was your um, what was your first Brexit like a divorce reason the, f the most obvious and first one for me is that this is only something that half of the people voted for um, with the EU referendum so 48% of people voted to remain in the EU and a bit like with a divorce quite often the case is that one party wants to divorce and the other party doesn't so there's a definite similarity there mm. uh, and th and that kind of creates a tension doesn't it, it does yeah of course you know when one party wants one thing and one party wants um, the opposite um, and there's actually there's no common ground there you know it's not something that you can compromise on you can't go part way um, for having in a divorce and it appears as though we can't go part way for uh, being in and out of Europe. It's a one decision or, or not. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I've always struggled with this idea. The Americans have this idea of like the lever, the lever, and the levy, uh, and and I, I really hate those those kind of labels. Yeah, they're not they're not pleasant, are they? Because it sort of appoints and apportions blame, um, and and really sort of sets a precedent as to you know who's seen as the, the nice party and the not nice party. And we've seen a lot of that in the press recently, haven't we? There's been a lot of negativity for for those people who voted um, that we should be leaving the EU, hmm. and there's been so much negative uh, publicity about that. And it's very similar with divorces. Yeah. yeah. 
yeah uh great so uh, uh so that's our first reason o- only one of them wants it uh, o- only uh, one half of the country and it's interesting just how close it was i think wasn't it you know that, yeah, that it was 52 40, close, well, wasn't it? until about three o'clock in the morning when, <laughs> <laughs> I, when have I, to, I turned I have to admit, I was, i've gone to bed by that point <laughs> yeah and, and and in my groan i think i've already belied my my own uh, view on this uh the, the the second reason why i thought uh, brexit is like a divorce is because i i think that we're seeing now this this same kind of grieving process that we see at the end of a divorce and in some of our earlier podcast series we look at this this idea of the grieving cycle the idea that when a relationship comes to an end whether through death or separation then we go through this process of denial anger bargaining depression and acceptance and i think we've seen exactly the same kind of thing with with the brexit in that i think for a long time there's a lot of denial that this would ever come to anything so i, I suspect that uh, david cameron may well have been in denial that well i can call the referendum Absolutely. and the uh, uh, the population they'll never go for it they'll never bite um uh and anyway uh, we did uh, as as a country democracy has been done and that that's uh, that's great and then we come into that second aspect of anger uh, very quickly, and uh, the, yeah, there's a lot of that at the moment. You noticed, there. did you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, so, so certainly, you know, there, 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 there's an awful lot of anger there against uh, against people who voted to come out, and and kind of what they've thrown the country into, uh, and uh, coming back the other way that you know the, the 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 those who voted to leave feel that they're now being. Uh, maligned and criticized as we were saying just just a moment ago Uh, the third stage in in this grieving process of course is bargaining and bargaining in this context means uh kind of like you know you you make promises that well you if if you'll just give me a chance you know i can be all of these things so so it's a kind of uh uh, rather belated attempt to make good on on broken promises if you like and i think we're starting to see that it's uh what day is it today it's Wednesday, Wednesday, isn't it? Uh, and, and this morning, Jeremy Hunter's, uh, it's Tuesday. Jer- Jeremy Hunter's <laughs> just come out. Uh, it's complicated stuff, this podcasting. Jeremy Hunter's just come out saying, for example, there could well be the second referendum. And, you know, so, so, so we'll go back to the populace with, uh, you know, with a further referendum and please make everything okay. So I think we're in that bargaining stage at the moment. After the bargaining comes depression, which is where we, and I, 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 I do fear that, that this is, you know, we, we will go into a period of depression, which may well be um, uh, uh, economic depression as much as anything yeah, else. Yeah, going to be an economic and a, sort of like a mental depression, I think, isn't yes. there? Really? Yeah, yeah. And, and this is when the reality kicks in that, oh, well, this is what we've signed up for and, and it's going to be hard work. Uh, and then uh, at the end of that, we finally get to this thing called acceptance, where we can like roll up our sleeves and uh, and get on with it. And we see this with our divorce clients very we do. often. Absolutely. Um, I mean, even just going back to that depression point of view, you know, even some people who who chose to do something, so people who choose that they want to go down the path of divorce, actually, once the ball starts rolling, sometimes they start to sort of see that the reality, you know, hitting home. And, mm. and I think you've also seen that in the press recently. I think today, Kelvin McKenzie is starting really the is, yeah. yeah. If, if you're listening to this and you're interested in that uh, that, that process and you want to find out a bit more, uh, you can go and Google uh, Kubler-Ross. We'll, um, you can go to our website and I'll, I'll try to remember to put a, a note in the, in the blog entry. Uh, have a look at Kubler-Ross or if you just go to uh, the earlier episodes of this show uh, that I was uh, presenting with uh, Mr. Searle, um, 
behavioral psychologist, then we, we talk uh, about these processes there as well. Um, so, okay, so, so that's two of our things. Um, go on, Faye, what, what have you got for number three? <laughs> well, this is um, Angela Merkel's uh, cameo as uh, the new Gloria Gaynor. So um, for those of you who don't know, um, it's the go on, walk out the door, don't turn around now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is like the, the great divorce <laughs> anthem, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so, so this is I Will Survive. So how, how do you get to this? Um, so this is about the fact that actually, you know, people are now saying, well, let me talk about the the European thing first mm. of all. So that um, is about the fact that we were saying, well, we'll have some informal negotiations. We'll do this, that and the other. We'll buy ourselves enough time. And then once we've sort of, you know, got all of our, our cards in order, then we'll sort of like formally try and start negotiations. Um, and this is actually... Germany in this point saying no that's it you're done you're not going to get some time to you know discuss all of this between yourselves first of all and then hit us with it we want you out now you've made this decision and you need to be gone um, and that obviously happens so often with with divorcing couples mm. but I think actually we give them a lot more option to have that informal negotiation um, especially in relation to financial matters um, and in children matters you know let's negotiate let's talk about that whether that be through solicitors whether that be through mediation or what have you so before we have to go to that court process and put a time scale on you know when matters are all going to be dealt with we have uh, the ability to have that informal negotiation so perhaps divorce has got it sorted in this one yeah, maybe Brexit. <laughs> maybe maybe uh, and, and if you're listening to this and, and you're thinking uh, I'm, I'm going to youtube for the inevitable uh, video clip of Angela Merkel being lip synced to <laughs> Gloria again as I will survive. I've already Googled it and it's not there yet. So, uh, so we've got any particularly smart listeners. If, if you could do that and let us know, that'd be, that'd be I'm great. I'm sure someone's working on that a bit like when Obama did one. Yes. Someone did one with Obama, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, great. Uh, so, uh, number four uh, that I've got, uh, in, in ways that Brexit really is like a divorce. It, it's the way that we see, and I'm kind of coming back to this idea of the lever and the levee. Uh, the, the person who wanted to go and uh, the person who's been left. Uh, we, uh, I, I think that we see here a, a real difference in divorce and in Brexit, that the lever uh, tends to uh, be far more tolerant of risk and able to cope with uncertainty. So, you know, th th there's, this, uh, there's this very strong resolve to, to go, uh, to, 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 to go it alone. Uh, to, to, to leave and uh, although they know and they appreciate that there's vast uncertainty down down that uh, route they're, they're quite prepared to ride with that and I think what we see with our, our clients where they're the, the levee if you like the ones who, uh, who haven't made that decision then they go the other way and they, they, we get this quite strong need for certainty you know answers to everything yeah and also that sort of like clinging to what they know and not wanting to move away from from that and you know very mm. resistant to change because that change hasn't been brought on, on uh, because of something that they wanted to do mm. and so I think that absolutely mirrors what's, yes. what's been going on yeah yeah there, there, there is this uh, mindset isn't there that in, in in if everything else is changing from the uh from from the relationship point of view then that, you know there, there's this there, there can be quite a uh uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The, 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 you know, this sense of really clinging on tightly to the things that are there. We the house, it, for I was example. Say, we then. see it so often, don't we, with a house. So, you know, when a couple separate, financially it may not be possible for, you know, them to remain in that house. And even though they can see that and they understand that and actually attach to it are all of the bad memories, you know, or some bad memories, obviously some good memories too. Um, but we see this unusual sort of like 
resistance to move and to accept any form of change because they want to keep some form of constant in their life when so many other things are changing hmm. um, and yes mm. it's uh, we definitely I mean you say unreasonable that. it's perfectly reasonable and understandable but it's the the, the lengths that that, that this appetite can go to mm. um, can really cloud judgment on other issues I, I know I, I, I know that I bore you Faye when I bang on about the the, the the vast danger, as I see it, where, where uh, typically wives will want to keep the house at the cost of making a claim against husband's pension. But that's the problem, isn't it? It's that they will forego other things that may be more financially beneficial to them uh, for the need to keep this, you know, this set of bricks and mortar. And mm. I think sometimes, you know, that emotional security and stability of having the house um, actually sometimes works against them mm. um, when there are other things um, mm. you know, particularly around Lincolnshire you know we have a lot of RAF personnel um, and obviously RAF uh, pensions can be quite valuable and obviously um, give people security and stability in the future um, and unfortunately sometimes you know traditionally um, wives and mothers would seek to, to stay in the house um, you know at a cost to themselves yes yeah. Uh, so number five, divorce contagion. Tell us about that. So divorce contagion. So that's about the fact that, um, you know, if you have family or friends who have divorced or gone through that divorce process, you're more likely to go through the same thing. Um, and so we've seen that with uh, Brexit. As I think on Friday we were hearing things like Grexit. So Greece was going to go. Um, you know, all sorts of countries were, were looking at going, weren't they? France, Italy, um to name Brexit. Brexit was the original well, one, wasn't it? Brexit. <laughs> Brexit. Brexit's come about today. Yeah. <laughs> They're a bit lame. I think Brexit is about the limit, isn't it? But obviously there's there's concern there. And I think that's the point, isn't it? You know, that once one person's done it, once one person's broken the mould and says that's it, we're gonna go. You know, if you've got a perfect couple and then, you know, one party leaves, in that group of friends, people are like, Oh well, you know, they were the you know, they were the trophy couple, weren't they? And now that they've split up goodness you know maybe maybe we should as well because we're not actually getting on all that well either and you know mm. once that sort of like little ripple's been made or you know you're breaking that taboo even though there isn't that taboo so much anymore with with divorces um you know once one person's done it then you know maybe it starts at it, it almost gives that trickling effect doesn't, doesn't it? it it does it does yeah. i think there was um some stat that said um oh i'm just struggling to remember it off the top of my head this, this was this was the this study back in 2011 wasn't it and it said i think it said that once one couple goes mm. uh, then as it, it becomes 75 percent more likely within your within that same social group that they that, that that you will uh, divorce yeah. as well and also interestingly in relation to families so um if you have a sibling who has divorced you're 22 percent more likely mm. um to get divorced mm. which um was interesting <laughs> it isn't i mean it, it makes you wonder if we should be asking those questions when considering a, a prenuptial agreement for example. <laughs> you know, just, yeah just how what? likely is this going to happen yeah, do, and they were saying as well about you know families you know if your parents have divorced then you know you you're quite likely to to model your behavior on them mm. and your relationship on them and so therefore if their relationship broke down you know this studies seem to be suggesting that actually it would be more likely that your relationship would also break down um, and I do think you see that in in family groups don't you actually we do I, I know there are cases I've had where um, where we've been really stuck and and you know haven't been able to understand why haven't we been able to move on 
and um, and, and just uh, you know just out of curiosity you know I'll ask you know what was what, your parents marriage like and sometimes the similarities between uh, not so much their marriage but their separation and their own separation are startling and I, I also think it's really interesting you know where you have a parent who comes in with their you know their adult child who is going through the relationship breakdown I mean even if that that you know our client is in their you know 40s or 50s even you know and they're still accompanied by their parents if that parent has been through a particularly difficult divorce mm-hmm. you know that parent's concern is that this divorce is automatically going to be as yeah. nasty um, and of course obviously divorce law has, has changed considerably over the years um, and you know obviously um, people have these preconceptions as mm. to how it's going to be if they've been there and done that themselves and it's not been a pleasant experience mm. but it doesn't always mean that it has to be an unpleasant experience. So, so it can be self-fulfilling and, and think about this idea of divorce contagion then it, it isn't just that the incidence of divorce is contagious but perhaps some of the the symptoms the, of the divorce yeah, absolutely. Are, are similar as well. Um, okay so uh, so that's divorce contagion. Uh, number six this is yours, Neil. <laughs> this, this is mine. And, and it's the idea of the no-fault divorce. And there's, there's been a lot of noise over the last few years about should we move towards the no-fault divorce. So at the moment, we have five grounds for divorce. And the one that we use uh, most of the time is well, the one that we use frequently is unreasonable behavior, which is a horrible phrase. But that's what it says in, in the law book. So that's that's what we have to use. Now, you and I know, Faye, that the unreasonable behaviour itself can be very bland. Oh, very much so. Indeed. And I'm sure you're like me in that. My ambition when I'm drafting an unreasonable divorce is that the person who receives it shrugs their shoulders and says, is that That's it? That's all. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so uh, but, but there's, there's a lot of press noise about, uh, you know, the need to move away from uh, the, the, the blame divorce, the, the fault-based divorce, to something called the, the, the no-fault divorce. And the thing that struck me about Brexit is I, I've, I've, I've been really nerdy in my research for this. Uh, <laughs> that shocks me, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fancy. Not that Neil's a geek or anything. <laughs> uh, so, 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 so I've actually gone to Article 50. Oh, did you? Of, 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 of that the did you? <laughs> um, and because I was curious, did, did a country that was looking to leave the union have to have reasons, you know, like oh, unreasonable behaviour? Yeah, sure. Um, and interestingly enough, it doesn't have to. So, so it can just, just go. It, it can just go for for its own uh, national uh, and <clears throat> sovereign uh, constitutional uh, uh, reasons. Um, so, so, so with Brexit, you've got essentially a no fault divorce. But despite that, there is a lot of fault being bandied around, wasn't <laughs> there? there? Is. And I'm, I'm 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 convinced that if we ever got to a no fault divorce within England and Wales, and of course Scotland has a different uh, a, a different basis of law if we ever got to a no-fault divorce i i'm I'm not convinced that would reduce the acrimony or the conflict in divorce or separation at all anyway i'm i'm unsure on that to be honest with you i think you know the starting point for you know if you want a divorce in this country or you know or wales um, at the moment you either if you want something to happen now um, and you're only just separating you have to use either adultery or unreasonable behavior so we're having to put horrible reasons you know when the situation is difficult enough for people as it is um and i think people 
they like the idea of a two-year separation petition with the consent of the other party but what they can't cope with is the delay um, of having to wait for those two years they want to be able to sort things out now to enable them to move on with their lives and to you know help all of their family to to deal with it to include the children and so I think if we started off on a no-fault position straight away um, then we're setting the tone for a more amicable um, path moving forward but but don't you think that you'd still have just as we see with the uh the, the leave camp and the stay camp don't don't you think that you would still have the you know the, the, the kind of storytelling and the the justifications and the uh explanations put forward by both camps the leave or the lever and the levy but i think it's the context um as to where those gripes are, are aired you know and i think necessarily you know of course when people separate it's not just you know, for no reason. There are always going to be reasons as to why people's relationships break down. Mm. And of course, there's always two sides to every story. Mm. Um, and so I think that we, because of the fact that the law generally um, doesn't sort of deal with the fault, you know, other than the divorce, and um, fault doesn't really come into it when we talk about um, financial claims um, and really doesn't take into account that on, uh, on children matters mm. either. Mm. And so I see really no no benefit to having to stir up that tension there's going to be tension anyway but we can keep it out of the legal framework we can just deal with the legal transaction of dissolving someone's marriage is i think I, my I, point I, of view i, I, I didn't I, realize I, I had such a strong feeling about no, that no, actually no, you don't <laughs> by surprise, it, 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 uh, i had you know i had some um clever words about this that i'd written down so i think they're downstairs but it, it, what i read I, my idea was this that the when it comes to separating and divorce, that that the, the the conflict and the antagonism isn't brought about from what goes on the divorce petition, but the conflict and the hurt comes from the process of splitting up anyway. Yeah. And and so I think that uh, whether it's uh, no fault divorce or whether it's an unreasonable behaviour, blandly drafted, mm. uh, or uh, adultery, which more often than not is admitted anyway. Um, uh, then, then it isn't going to make any difference. And in any event, uh, Parliament is now going to be so tied up with the EU negotiations and Brexit negotiations that the prospects of any family law reform, whether on no-fault divorce or cohabitation as well, mm, which is another very important issue, is a really important one. We, we have no prospect, I don't think, of seeing family law reform on those points for another 10 years. Yeah, I think, we're, it's, I think the idea of Brexit and all of the things that are now going to have to be dealt with by Parliament has, has significantly put an awful lot of things on, on the back burner, mm. um, family law being, being one of them. Mm. Um, which I think is a, a great shame, really, for you know the people at large. So, uh, number seven. What's what's your number seven uh, reason? So number pla uh, Sorry, number seven is have a plan. So know what your end game is. Um, what's important to you? How will you get there? And what do you need? And what what would you mean by that? I mean, you you say, you say have a plan. Is that to say that is is it just about have a plan to to leave to to get divorced or? I think you kind of have to have a vision as to how things are going to pan out for you in the future. And even if you don't know how you're going to do all the middle steps, at least have a goal, you know, mm. the light at the end of the tunnel, knowing where you want to be, whether that be in a month, six months, a year, five years. Um, I think you've got to have that, that plan. I think that will help to drive you forward. It will help you to sort of keep on going through the difficult times because you can see that there is something you know at the end of 
all of this that means that hopefully life is going to be able to move on and, and become bigger and better yeah um, and obviously that was um part of the leave campaign sort of idea wasn't it that you know everyone's been bashing Europe for a long time. Europe's been blamed for um, so many issues that we've got. Um, and so now the referendum was the ideal opportunity to say to people, look, well, we can have things that are better now. Mm. Um, we don't know how they're better. And I think this is one of the things that people have been really struggling with. Did, didn't someone say at the weekend, wasn't it one of the leavers who said, plan, there's no plan. What <laughs> <laughs> was that effect? Well, I think um, I didn't see that article, but I know when I was watching the referendum debate the night before the election, so on the Wednesday, um, and one lady was asking the panel, and she said, "Well, look, you keep saying that the Remain campaign is is scaremongering, um, but what if they are right? What is your contingency plan?" Mm. And in true political fashion, and I'm not saying who made the comments, but, you know, there was a lot of um, just a lot of words without any substance behind it. And actually, they skirted around and just did not give any form of answer. Mm. Um, and I thought that was really concerning. You know, this lady saying, well, you keep telling me it's scaremongering. So how, how do you how do you counteract that? What, what are you going to do? How can you reassure me that actually if the markets do crash that will be okay how can you do that and there was no answer to that and so i think in terms of divorce people are saying okay look we've got potentially two incomes into one household budget at the moment um, and when we separate we're only going to have one income per household so how are we going to separate that mm. how are we going to deal with that how are we going to manage to pay the mortgage or the rent buy the shopping you know pay all of the bills mm. that need paying how are we going to do that when you've got an income that's so much lower and, and, and this is thinking that needs to be done in advance isn't it it is before you tell your spouse or your partner it's hard isn't it but yes put in that legwork first of all yeah i mean it's you know and you don't have to you know work out to the exact penny how you're going to do all of that but i think people have got to really start to think okay well if i do leave how am i going to support myself you know mm. if you know you're one party who isn't earning a, a great deal of money and the other person's the one who's been the the main breadwinner how are you going to support yourself what is your you know plan as to how you're going to be able to you know if you're going to move out of the house how are you going to be able to pay that rent you know you might not necessarily be able to buy straight away but can you afford to rent you know can you do that what can you do are there bank loans do you have access to savings you know, thinking all of this through is absolutely key to ensuring that that you're going to be able to get through this mm. process because divorce is a stressful time it's meant to be one of the three most stressful things um as is going through a bereavement and buying a new house and quite often with a divorce actually you're dealing with all th three of those things not an actual death but the grieving for, for a relationship that, that's no longer there and then so you're dealing with these three things that are meant to be the most stressful things mm. that you're going through in your life and you're being hit with them all at the same time and actually having some security and knowledge that you're going to be okay there is somewhere you know where you got you know a roof over your head and you've got food on the table there there's some really important things mm. you know you've got your children with you whatever it may be um just having that that idea that everything actually is okay when and everything I, else is is in flux and really. I, I think this is one of those times where we inevitably say get legal advice it is and, you know and as ever we don't care if you take well we do you know we, we dearly hope that you'll, you'll come to us for, for that advice you know because because we can help you but the most important thing is, is you get the advice absolutely yeah. of course it is yeah uh, i mean a lot of the time you know people nowadays they don't even go to a restaurant do they without looking on TripAdvisor. Um, yeah. You know, and it's only for a meal. Yeah. <laughs> Why would you not source out, you know, what the uh, legal position is before yeah. you 
take the plunge. That, that, that brings me on to my next point, which is um, uh, negotiation. So at the moment, the civil service, wow, to be a civil servant right now, you know, knowing that you've got this massive task coming down the line, we're going to send you to Brussels, you're going to negotiate the exit from the EU, which no nation has, well, there was a nation, wasn't it? Was it uh, Greenland? Nowhere. Green, Greenland did do it, yeah. Greenland um, did it. And it, it, it I, I was reading today, it took them two years to negotiate out of the EU and the only uh, product that they had, there must have been others, but, but certainly, you know, the, the, the uh, predominant uh, product that they had was fish. Um, so, and it took two years and the negotiations were Solely relatively fish. straightforward. <laughs> uh, so for us, it's going to be uh, massively complex. And we need to have uh, uh, the experts on board. We need people who are uh, able to negotiate, people who've got uh, status, who've got the, the gravitas, who will command that respect from uh, Europe, who've got the experience and the very best knowledge. And knowledge not just of the, the factual stuff, but knowing how to negotiate. And I think, I think this is so important when it comes to divorce as well. Get your team together. Uh, get your team together. Make sure that your team, that your lawyer knows how to negotiate so that mm. they can get you a settlement so you don't have to go to court. Instead, you're able to negotiate who's going to get what so that the whole family can be provided for at this very difficult, um, uh, uh, nerve-wracking time. Yeah. Um, so that, that, that's my point, the need, uh, the need to negotiate and uh, uh, get the experts uh, on board. Number nine, what have you got? Um, so this is all about moderating language and conduct. Um, I think, you know, we've seen that in the in the press a lot, haven't we, and on social media. I know an awful lot of people um, are being quite vile, quite honestly, um, about people's different views as to whether they, you know, chose to remain or whether they were a leave vote and you know some people have been absolutely horrible and of course everyone's entitled to a choice and have you know their own say about what they believe their future holds for them Um, and actually there there are ways and means of going about things aren't there and and sort of saying you know achieving the same end goal um, but by dealing with it in a completely different way Um, and you know I think we're we're stuck with the term unreasonable behaviour because that's what's written Mm -hmm. in statute but as you were saying you know with regard to um, a divorce petition that's on the basis of unreasonable behaviour you and I would both draft a petition that is as mild as possible so it's it's enough to to get it to go through the court but not so bad that you know the person who's receiving that petition is going to feel you know extremely disappointed and unhappy um, about their behavior because obviously reading something about your own behavior your alleged behavior is is quite a hard pill to swallow and i think as long as you make it as mild as possible you know so that you're not stirring up any tension you know you're taking out any um you know overly descriptive words mm. um you know that can really help just to sort of you know get things done as as best they can on the most amicable footing as possible you know that i've got this thing about adjectives don't you? And, uh, <laughs> i do that's why i said it <laughs> uh, and, and it's just you know just just a, a rule of thumb that you if you're putting an adjective into a letter or you know you're sending an email to your partner or such like if you've got one of those adjectives in there just just take it out because the adjective almost always you you've put it in there even like unknowingly you've put it in there to inflame your message to make it even more compelling and hard standing your ground aren't you and you're telling someone that this is the way it is and actually when you do do that you sometimes you make your point but you go past it and i think sometimes you know you've almost got to pick your battles haven't you and sometimes some things are you need to be able to stand up and fight and 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 Mm. put your case as absolutely best you can and there are other times when you don't have to you know wipe the floor with somebody it just needs to be for a divorce petition for example you know it just needs to be bad enough for the the judge or legal advisor to say that the marriage is irretrievably broken down 
Um, and so, yeah, I think it, I think we can. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do a podcast show so, sometime soon on uh, things that drive legal costs up, mm. and um, because the, the, the language that is used, I think, is definitely one of those things. So, although it's just like a small, and it seems like quite a theoretical thing, you know, language and choice of words, that that has a very real impact in pounds and pence on how much it will cost you and your family to go through this divorce and separation process. Absolutely, it's so true. Um, if um, I forget that I ever said that, remind me, and we'll, we'll put it onto the, we'll put it onto that podcast. <laughs> I'll make a note. <laughs> so uh, the, the other thing about uh, language, of course, what was that? It, it just kind of like creates these, you know, we things that are said carelessly create these these new realities. So in, in the Brexit, and I, I, I promise that I'm not scoring political points. So I'll, I'll take an example from both sides. You, you had George Osborne, for example, threatening this austerity budget. And uh, and uh, on the uh, the Leave campaign, you had the uh, the three hundred and fifty million pound bust. Mm. Didn't you? And, you know, let's, let's give it to yeah, the that. NHS instead. And 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 so the I, I, I want to say the careless use of language, but actually they were very clever both ways. They were very clever about what they were doing. Uh, but the problem is that what you've got there is you've got language which has got carried away with itself and has slipped into what I would call over-assertion. You're just arguing the point too hard. And both sides have had to kind of like crawl back on those previous assertions. And I think that has a really profound impact on this rather old-fashioned thing called integrity and trustworthiness. Well, well I think they're two words that aren't often used with politics, aren't they? Integrity and trustworthiness. Um, and obviously, as a profession, you know, the legal profession is, is built on trust and integrity. I think, you know, we, mm. we all have to have um, certain standards as to when we become members of the law society, mm. um, as we all do as solicitors. Um, but, yeah, I think that the wording in the campaigns were, well, you said clever. I think some of them went beyond that. I think some of them were, were downright. ingenious. No, I think it was downright misleading. Uh, yes. Um, yeah. I think some of them were, were really un- unacceptable in that way. Um, but it's true, you know, you, you kind of took people talk the talk and especially on social media now where everything is so instantaneous nobody's got time mm-hmm. to really check things out um and and people just sort of they see these words and then it becomes reality because you've seen it so many times and we see this in reports don't we you know someone says that someone saw an incident and then all of a sudden these reports are sort of put together and it says oh this incident did happen and mm-hmm. no we didn't have that you know mm-hmm. um and it it's very difficult. You have to really unpick it. And um, I think, yeah, integrity is, is always key. So, so the final point that I've got on uh, our 10 reasons why Brexit really is like a divorce is, is this, uh, this, this line that I've got, which is actually the name of an old Snow Patrol album. Uh, you didn't know that, did you? Faye? I didn't, but I used to really like Snow Patrol back in the day. Well, this so was I'm before surprised. they were famous. Oh. This, was, this was their early stuff. This <laughs> indie kid in me. Uh, and they, they had this great album, which is called When It's All Over, We Still Have to Clear Up which I think is such a, a wonderful sentiment that, that we can fight as much as we like. You know, we can, we can, have, the, we can have the Barney, we can have the debate, uh, the, the, the rather heated letters, heaven forbid, that go backwards and forwards, the over-assertion, the, the, the allegations that don't quite bear up to scrutiny that we've looked at, both within Brexit and divorce. But at the end of it, we have to recognise that, that we still need to find a way to get on with one another. Um, and, and this is the challenge that we're seeing in uh, in Brexit now. Uh, so Boris Johnson is, is doing his, his hardest to reassure Europe that we're not turning our back on you, that we're not becoming isolationist. Um, uh, likewise, within the, the, the Leave and the Remain uh, camps within the UK, there, there's that same concerted effort to kind of 
unify uh, unify once again and so is with with divorce particularly where we see uh couples who've got children yeah i mean that's the, that's the most striking example isn't it you know that um no matter how nasty um and regrettably bitter some some divorce and financial arrangements are and even you know uh, cases in relation to children at the end of the day these two parents are going to remain to be parents of these children um, and they're going to have to have some semblance of a relationship uh, you know beyond the divorce you know there are going to be days when those children you know they graduate they have sports days parents evenings and arrangements of can obviously be made for things like that at school um, but you know graduations engagement parties weddings grandchildren you know these two people who are now divorced are, are going to have to continue to be part of their children's lives and they're going to have to have some you know relationship with each other and you know the idea that they've had such an acrimonious divorce um is well it's probably very very sour for the children that, that are involved mm. and will we'll tame their views of things moving forward as we've talked about with the mm. divorce contagion um you know but there has to be some form of um you know getting on with things unfortunately so not staring at the tension too much absolutely yeah yeah. good well uh faith thanks thanks for taking some time to uh thank you this idea Uh, we hope it's been uh uh, interesting to you do let us have your feedback on the podcast uh don't forget you can contact me at neil at diangenders.co.uk or me, Faye, at diangenders.co.uk. Uh, you can go to our website at diangenders.co.uk or you can telephone us on 01522 516 500. You're just going to cut right across from there on the phone <laughs> number. Um, it's been a real pleasure sharing this with you. We'll be back uh, next week with some more thoughts on uh, divorce and separation. Don't forget, if, you, if there's a question that you'd like us to explore on a podcast, uh, send it in and we'll be happy to uh, do what we can on a basis that's in a kind of general information point of view. Um, and uh, we look forward to uh, seeing you again. Many thanks. Bye for now. <laughs>